to episode 22 of Nugget Wikipedia Weekly, The Arbcom Follies. This is Derova, your host for the day. I'm here with Awetawit, Mitch Azinia, and Shoemaker's Holiday. Uh, would you like to say hello, Awetawit? Hello. Mitch? Hey. Shu? Hello. So, we are here to discuss uh, events with the Arbitration Committee. We are awaiting um, a statement, a follow-up statement from FT2 and a follow-up statement from the committee. We're not sure whether they'll be making separate statements or, or not. Um, Jimbo Wales and several members of the committee have uh, posted, uh, requesting a little bit of time. They say they are very active in discussions uh, privately right now and are attempting to resolve the current worries. And um, let's let's go ahead. Oh, what do it? Uh, I understand you are doing a research right now. Right. Actually, this is a very interesting time for this to unfold for me because I'm working with somebody else on a paper on justice on Wikipedia. <laughs> so um, obviously, one of the areas we've looked at is the arbitration committee, and for it to have a a bit of an issue um, in the middle of us writing our papers, of course, interesting. We'll have a sort of you know while it's happening section of our paper. <laughs> if I can offer a bit of uh, analysis here. The Arbitration Committee was first instituted in the spring of 2004 after discussions in 2003. And during Wikipedia's early days, uh, the only person who had the right to cite man was Jimbo Wales. By 2003, the site was growing too much. That was too much for one fellow to keep on top of all by himself. And so uh, ARPCOM got devised and implemented. And the idea was that that would take some of the responsibility from Jimbo's shoulders. The concept of community banning did not enter policy until summer of 2005. And the form that it entered in terms of basically unanimous decision of the um, administrators not to undo an indefinite block was very much an outgrowth of the notion that site banning is something that we, we very seldom do. Yeah, I actually have a question. Um, it's a narrative I frequently heard been told about ARBCOM, that you know Jimbo was getting overwhelmed and therefore we needed to have this group of people to take the responsibility and the you know sort of uh, overwhelming work away from him. Was there a feeling that one person shouldn't have all that responsibility and that's it would be better to have it as a group or was it really just a sort of practical move because of um, course it is interesting to change it from one person to a group right well that that predates me a little bit um, I didn't join the site myself until um, October 2005 so when this particular part was unfolding um, I was not yet a Wikipedian I've seen it the same as you um, by reading past files and also by talking to people who were active at that time, uh, yeah. some of whom have retired. And the idea of taking power away from Jimbo, that Jimbo shouldn't really have all of that, that, that seems to be a more recent development since he um, stepped down as, as head of the um, foundation in a formal sense. That, that was uh, my impression as well, but again, it's, right. it's an impression and it's difficult really, to figure out. <laughs> During the, you know, it's, it's, coming on, it's coming close on three years now that I've been with Wikipedia. I've, I've seen uh, a, a, 
a change in the consensus of, of Jimbo Wales's role. When when I first joined, Jimbo was you know beyond Arbcom. If if Arbcom couldn't handle it, it still that passed to Jimbo. Um, there's still a separate category under banned users banned by Jimbo Wales, and uh, Jimbo could um, undo Arbcom. He still retains the theoretical ability to undo or to dissolve Arbcom. Do you remember, uh, have you seen where he made a statement on that? Yes, and I believe it's quoted on the request for comment as well, isn't it? About as often as the Queen would dissolve Parliament, but yeah. theoretically, he retains the right to do that. Yeah, it, it's been a much more recent development that, um, and some of what I've, I've seen in that uh, has, has been private dialogue that, you know, he's I, I guess you could say at this point he's more of an elder statesman than the, the final stop. And, you know, there, there are some serious concerns. If Jimbo Wales gets hit by a truck, what happens to the site? You know, eventually it, it needs to become more um, independent. We're, we're right now, and I think for at least half a year, possibly longer, we've been seeing um, some strains here that from 2003-2004, when the arbitration committee was first set up until now. Wikipedia has grown enormously. It has become much, much more public. The community has taken over roles that were previously uh, exclusively held by ARCOM. And ARCOM gets it, to, to paraphrase what some of the arbitrators have told me, I don't want to call them out by name, but ARCOM winds up with the hardest cases with the stuff that doesn't get solved everywhere, anywhere else, and the stuff that it was being asked to do three or four years ago um, was generally much simpler than what it's got now. And I'll, I'll say that in their, you know, in, in their defense. So their role has shifted considerably, but there has not been a formal review or a, um, a formal re-examination of their mandate. And so, in my opinion, they've been examining it um, and reassessing it very actively themselves. But in a, sort of a, out of necessity, perhaps out of necessity and out of the loop, as far as the rest of the community is concerned, they are moving in directions that might be very clear to them, but are not clear to the rest of the community, and and come across as major surprises. If they were doing it in a manner that was largely successful and was consistent, then I think it would be going down better than it is. But And I don't want to name people who are not here to defend themselves, but um, you now have the publication of uh, a case, apparently it was a case, where a very established in individual who actually is, I think his bona fides are well enough known, a medical doctor in, in real life, uh, was sanctioned without any opportunity to, to even know that a case was contemplated against him, much less underway. Meanwhile, in a, a public and open case, um, an editor who has a very, very long um, block history requested additional time in order to present a defense and uh, was granted it and, and has been blocked repeatedly during this time that he requested and has, you know, the, the comparison between the two individuals might break down at some point. But, but I think that unless you're a strong partisan to one case or the other, 
it's it's pretty easy to step back and say, well, why is this one individual with a much longer block history and you know previously um, named in an arbitration case and previously sanctioned? Why is this individual being granted a, a month or more? And uh, just because he asked for it in order to defend himself, while somebody who may have problems and, and so forth is not even granted an open case. There's also the problem, of course, that um, in a few cases at the beginning of the year, they failed to provide time when time was asked for to provide evidence, and this resulted in major problems. So it may be a reaction against that. End of last year, beginning of this year. Yes. That does not excuse the Orange Marlin case, but... Well, the, the committee's own parameters are to allow at least a week for evidence before proceeding to voting. And if there's some compelling reason why they need to go faster than that, I've got no problem with it. By most of the cases that were rushed to vote at the beginning of the year, there was no particularly compelling reason. In many cases, it was um, either something that it was either something that just happened with a uh, and um, had not gone through any dispute re- resolution and was very short, and in another case, it was a two-month-old block. If I can, if, if I might uh, sort of say various types of problems seems to be tying into ARCOM has a fairly broad mandate and they're exercising some of their special abilities within the mandate in situations where they're not articulating a compelling reason to do so. You can, you can see that common thread in, in early closures and early decisions in the establishment of, uh, what was that, the footnoted quotes case, where they established a whole new notice board and a whole new process that was governance level as opposed to dispute resolution level. And they did not have a dialogue with the community about their need for doing so. They announced it by fiat. And they really stepped over to the very edge of their mandate in order to do that, if not beyond it. And of course, in the um, homeopathy, ca- the homeopathy case was delayed for three months because they were trying to um, add on a sourcing education board to the case. And in the end, are you certain that they delayed something in order to add something? I mean, that that cause and effect that you're drawing there. Um, are you sure? Well, everything revolving around users was sorted and had a consensus to support within about a month. It then stopped for two months while debate over the Sourcing Education Board occurred. So certainly if you look at what was being discussed, there was, after the first month, nothing but the Sourcing Education Board was being discussed, at least online. I I do want to say that correlation is not necessarily causation. I mean, sometimes I've had arbitrators privately express to me that they were holding off in order to double-check something. But just when it correlates and, and nobody's saying, yes, this is the reason, um, let's let's be a little bit conservative, especially while we're recording about, about asserting that kind of thing. So, I got a, go I for got a question. Yeah. Um, just in your opinion, do you think the archives become really pick-and-choose what they're going to work on at once? Because w- with the Highways 2 case, which I was sort of involved in, it took them two months even to, to finish the case, and everyone was going nuts that they're doing nothing. They're doing nothing. They won't, the Arcon won't do this. They're focusing on other cases. They're opening new cases without them. That, is, that's pretty think, much uh, par for the course with Arcon. 
two months is a little bit longer than the average case, but um, I've been in cases that dragged on for three months, and uh, editors were pretty much going batty. The homeopathy case is in its fourth month, I believe. But do you think uh, my question was, do you think um, archives become really picky and choosy with what their what cases they're doing? They do seem to be selecting ones that let, that they think they can use to explore deep policy rather than just need to be done because of a problem user. Well, you know, I, I'd be a little bit hesitant to attribute motive unless we had at least one arbitrator around to talk about that. Well, there are well-known rumors that the homeopathy case was accepted only to set up to discuss sourcing. I can tell you from experience that well-known rumors do not become more true by being repeated. <laughs> I was told by people who I would think know that they heard that from an arbitrator. I don't know if that is true. One of the ways to help figure this out would actually be to read every arbitration case from the beginning of ARBCOM till now and figure out in what ways have their decisions changed. Because you can draw conclusions. Are they really addressing these deep policy issues from their decisions, you know, in a different way than they have been before. Now, I have not made it through all the arbitration cases because there are so many, but, um, I mean, I think that's one way that you can start to figure out the sort of trajectory of arbitration decisions rather than having to rely on what maybe even, you know, a rumor, if it's true, it says, because it's, you know, one person's opinion so from inside the, the arbitration committee. I follow up with the next part of the performance review that I've planned and do a statistical study of what cases the arbitration committee is accepting. Yeah, I've wanted to do more statistical study of what the, uh, of what the arbitration committee really is doing as, you know, in numeric terms in getting away from crunching the outcome of particular cases. I've never known an arbitration case that satisfied everybody. Never known one. They have a set of crude tools at their, uh, at their disposal, and they are often not the best thing for the individuals in, in each case. And they try to apply what they can do in order to keep the site running. And it, because those two tools are crude, there's never going to be a time when everybody's happy. And some of the people who go there are simply not reasonable, sometimes perhaps not rational people. So they, they don't appear to act rationally anyway. Um, and so you, you have the additional challenge of, well, can, can you try to work around individual limitations? I think one problem that I noticed is that once a finding or fact or similar is written, I don't think I've ever seen in any arbitration case it be rewritten, even if there are problems with it. They may provide a second version, but... I've, I've seen cases where they have. The original one? Did you see the uh, Barrett v. Rosenthal case? No. Flo Knight led a, basically a rebellion after um, Fred Bowder wrote a, an initial decision that was based upon some unsupported accusations that were never supported. And he wrote uh, some finding of facts that would have gone against a particular individual that was na a named party in the case. And two people had very strongly claimed, this guy did this, 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 but not provided the evidence for it. Fred had written up a decision 
he was getting votes for it, and a, a number of us were, were saying on the proposed decision talk, wait a second, um, there's an assumption that he, he hasn't done this, this has never been substantiated, we're looking through the diffs, we can't find this. We're looking through the pages, we can't find this. Flo Knight, basically, she, she actually at one point said, stop the presses. And you saw much more about a year ago of multiple different types of findings being proposed by different arbitrators competing for attention, and, and you could see more of that progress on, on, on the proposed decision page. That was one where it changed around. J.M. Fangio, Chris J. Nelson had an even more dramatic turnaround. It was in the voting phase when some strange activity happened. I requested a check user, and the check user found out that one of, well, I, I guess I, I have to say which one it was, it, it was J.M. Fangio, was a returning sock puppet of a community band editor, positively confirmed through check user. The check user also found that um, a rather shadowy IP editor, who had not been a named party in the case, was was also basically had created a spoofing attack timed to a user block on, on Chris J. Nelson in order to make it look, give the appearance that uh, Chris J. Nelson immediately after his user block had created a spoofing account on the other named party and basically there was a proposal underway to cite ban Chris J. Nelson that was gaining unanimous support up until that point when it turned out that he was being trolled by two different trolls, I mean, there's no, no kinder way to put it, they backed away from that decision and, and wrote a new one, placing him under uh, probation. And um, I, I don't want to get too much into what happened after that, but it, at least in terms of the outcome of that case, that was a dramatic turnaround that occurred during voting. I'm referring more to smaller things where a finding of fact is phrased poorly or has problems or has one minor minor problem in it there is often not a, a attempt to create to seek a better wording but they just run with it even if there are objections that's one of the changes that's uh, occurred in the last six to eight months it used to be that you would see those competing wordings, that you would you would see those competing formulations, and they would much more, in in the view of the community, search for the the right way to to do this, and and then move around. You you would actually see people changing, strike through one th uh, one thing and say, you know, that's better, or um, I'm going to formulate this. Yeah, that, that's something they're doing a lot less of now. It may be that they're doing some of it offline, but... Oh, uh, undoubtedly they are. Probably be, it would probably look better for them. It would look better for them if they were to return to that pro process, particularly as the caseload is much short, smaller now. Well, the, the, the open caseload, we don't know how many closed cases they're hearing. Um, and I understand more than anything else what they hear is um, appeals. Um, people who were community banned... They, they go and they complain, and everybody says, well, you can appeal your community ban to the arbitration committee, you can appeal this to the arbitration committee, and some of those people are very diligent. 
uh, about appealing that. Well, should we look at the request for comment as the last part of this? Yeah, yeah. Um, Shall I just give a quick summary of the various proposals being made? Do you want to introduce the request for comment first? Right. The request for comment, um, Wikipedia colon request for comment slash arbitration committee. Arbitration committee capitalized, found under the policy section of request for comment. Is a was created by Lawrence Cohen. On Lawrence Cohen's leaving, he um, requested that it be moved to the main space, and this was done by Derova and M. Bisons. The reason for the RFC, as stated, is that there has never been a request for comment on the arbitration committee itself and its processes. Initially drafted and made by Jimbo Wells, then modified over time by the committee itself. It is historically isolated with all major committee discussion behind the scenes over IRC, private email list, or other means. In recent times, across several cases, and historically, the role, purpose, workload, and function of the committee has come under growing scrutiny. A major factor in the December 2011 and seven elections was whether or not arbitrator prospects would have the time to perform the duties they are volunteering for. This RSC will provide an opportunity for the community to interact in a central discussion to help shape the future of the committee and for how it would and could best serve the Wikipedia community. Actually, I have, I have several questions about this. Yes. Just, just observing sort of from the outside, I have not posted on this and I don't um, intend to do so at this time <laughs> since I'm sort of using it as research. It feels oh, yes. strange to post on it, you know. Yes. Um, it, I have to say, um, you know, all that discussion in anthropology about whether you're supposed to be involved with your own research project, you know, it's um, sort of weird with Wikipedia, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I thought um, that also by, by hosting this on something that I opened, um, and occasionally uh, other times in not the Wikipedia Weekly, it's like we discuss something that I've been a part of. So it's, it's very kind of, strange. It, well, it's not regular journalism. You know, that's yeah. not the way that turns, but it's a little bit close to um, blogging by conference. <laughs> <laughs> Makes some it, sense. It's a different animal. Uh, on the other hand, it if somebody decides to study this later formally, it can help to have it from the horse's mouth rather than being paraphrased. Like some of the things that she said, I, I can correct right now. Like just you know, and and he made a very very good summary. But this is how, in good faith, some of these confusions do arise. And if it's uh, if, if things are thorny enough, that can throw things in weird directions. What anyway, happened? my oh, yeah, okay. sorry. Okay, I was gonna say my my first thought when I started reading this RFC was, it's strange for it to start statement by somebody or other, which is is the heading, and I was confused why one person was posting this for somebody who had retired. I mean, automatically I started thinking like, well, why did this person not want to post it themselves? Why did they retire rather than posting it? You know, I mean, like I had this whole list of questions about that before I even started to read the thing. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, because I don't really necessarily know all of the people who always post to these requests for comments. That's the other thing about Wiki is a lot of it works on who you know. Yeah. You know, you, you, you recognize people's usernames. And you're like, oh, well, I know that person, you know. Um, they're not crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it is very interesting when 
like I've been reading lots and lots of archives of pages and to try to figure out what is actually going on is not simple. It is not oh. simple. I mean, yeah. people say like, oh, all the history is there. You can figure it out. It's not easy to figure out. And this is one of those things that I think might stump people when they first come to it is they're like, well, who, who is this person? Why did they not decide not to post it themselves? Did they not want to be involved in the drama? What, you know, what's going on? You know, um, let's see here. Well, I I'm mean, just saying that was the first thing I asked myself okay. before I even went on. I was like, huh, you know. Okay, well, if there's any confusion about this, Lawrence Cohen is not somebody that I'm normally allied with. Um, you know, he and I have had very different views on a lot of things, and not always on the opposite side of the fence, but you know, just we're, we're just different Wikipedians. He started this around the close of, a, uh, of an ARPCOM case several months ago, and I asked him to, to hold off. I was concerned about, well, where's this heading? Is this just going to weaken ARPCOM without setting anything better in its place? You realize that there's a real danger that every band troll who's been shown the door over the last four years will show up and try to rehear their own case. Absolutely. Right here. And uh, their personal I, grievance with ARPCOM will now become part of the request. Yeah. For yeah. And. When Matt told me that he'd received uh, a request from Lawrence to, to bring this live, I mean, personally, and until I talked to Matt and found that out, I was like, yeah, my thought was, an RFC will probably happen. It probably will, but I don't want it to go yet. But at the point where uh, you have an established editor retiring, it is his parting request, it was going to be fulfilled. It was going to be fulfilled quickly. And um, by offering to do it myself, first I was able to delay it by a, a couple of hours while we did the Not the Wikipedia Weekly episodes yesterday. And second, because I think a, a fair number of the people in the community think that my the case that has my name on it was not one of the best held. Um, and, you know, I'm not under any formal sanction, but I'm under censure that... Um, some people uh, think was procedurally flawed. I am not using this as a platform to raise my own grievances. I'm more, inter more interested in the health of the site than in my own case. And I was hoping that by opening it myself and specifically orienting it away from soapbox to air my grievance and toward Let's look on the system, systemic, let's look at the procedural issues. Let's get away from the micro problem and look at the macro problems. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that coming from me, that might carry a little bit more weight. And so far, at least, there has not been a whole lot of rehashing particular cases here. I know some people think it was too soon. You know, if I hadn't been in this position myself, if Lawrence hadn't resigned when he did, I, I would have put it off. You know, not yesterday, not, not all that was going on. But it was going to go up yesterday. And the only question was how. Just we quickly review the proposals being made so far. Dorova, would you like to discuss your own introductory statement? Um, well, I, I tried to phrase it in, in ways that certainly they do pertain to the current case that got announced yesterday, but they also, in general terms, apply to previous cases. 
some of them specifically don't. The last one I added, you, if you look in there, was a little bit out of order because I don't want to make it the final word, is security and leaks of the arbitration committee decisions. Several months back, there was a, um, a specific leak from the arbitration committee mailing list regarding a particular administrator, um, something that was said in private, out of context, got repeated. And, and, and also, I well know that stuff that gets said uh, in a private mailing list with a lot of context that is understood by the other people in the mailing list can really look much different when the same text is published to people who don't have that background. They draw conclusions, they run off in, in directions that were never part of the original discussion. They, they surmise things that are way, way, way off base, that are within the text, but nobody interpreted that. And yeah, I mean, I think when something is posted in that kind of a setup, um, in my case, the, the list was set up to deal with cyberstalking. We had people who were getting death threats, who were getting um, calls to their employer, trying to get them fired, who were getting all sorts of things, and and were uh, untrained to this, who were, who were trying to feel out solutions. Some things spun into strange directions, and um, the particular email that got published had a context of its own that, that was not examined. And for the most part, the community didn't want to hear it. But uh, that's, a, that's a different thing from this. Um, I, I do want to say that I don't think that publishing the committee's private deliberations on, on the case that got announced yesterday is going to be a helpful thing. I think people would be too apt to seize upon phrases um, you know, that they don't know the context for. If anything, it might have it spiral out of control if we actually let things loose. Because then there'll be, well, this was said here, this was said that, what's wrong with that, what's with that? Like, oh my god, this is getting worse if you let out the uh, mail and stuff. And how are they going to deliberate in the future after that? Would it have a chilling effect on their own discussions? Would they have to say, I mean, they already have to, to worry a little bit, well, what if something gets leaked? Um, but, you know, if the whole deliberation that they, you know, conducted in private and, and, and discussed with an expectation of privacy, you know, you choose your words differently. And, you know, will they be afraid to be candid on some of these more sensitive cases if, if whole deliberations that are private um, get, get dumped on the community absent of context? I mean, we can vacate your, uh, the, that decision. We can analyze and, and reassess and, and set new parameters for how and when the arbitration committee holds cases in private. But I don't think the publication of those particular emails is likely to help things, unless the arbitrators decide among themselves without pressure that, you know what, we want to clear the air, we've decided upon this mutually, here you go. I don't think you should twist their arms for that. However, that said, I think there is a case to be made that this was, there was no compelling reason for the, for the Orange Marlin case to be held in private 
And as such, they should explain why they decided to do this and probably apologize and redo the case, if you ask me. Because you can't vote to sanction someone and not let them say anything in their defense, then tell them that appeals will not be listened to as FD2 did. Or rather, he said his specific words were, Orange Marlin may appeal, but I do not think it will cause us to change our minds. Asking the Arbitration Committee for an apology is is not very likely to be fruitful. But I agree with you very much. I I saw no compelling reason for the um, case to be held behind closed doors. And and that's part of my objection. At the same time, we've got this other case going on where somebody whose overall history is much more problematic is being granted a month just as his request to prepare better evidence. You have another case ongoing where you know, somebody who's also very established and, and has, although with some problems, um, overall, I think most people would, would say, if you're not partisan to the particular disputes, overall, that a record isn't even being told that a case is, is considered. Um, I think we should establish parameters for what gets held in private. And you can't anticipate everything, but you can anticipate most of it. I think if there's a, a you know, a sensible reason why it can't be discussed on site, okay. I suppose I'm less worried about the um, secretness of it, because I'm sure there are reasons that would exist for such a thing to have to happen, mm-hmm. you know, to protect someone's identity or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I can envision why that might have to be. Uh, what I can't envision is why someone would not be allowed to present evidence in their own defense. Well, when these cases do get heard behind closed doors, very often the person is not uh, aware of it. And and in many cases that are held out in the open, in a substantial proportion of them, not all of the case is on the evidence page. Yes. Right. But, uh, I mean, why? even if something is secret, why can you not... Why is the person being investigated or accused not allowed to defend themselves. I mean, I guess because I live in the United States and I hear about Guantanamo Bay all the time, you know, I just have these horrible visions of what's going on, you know, I can only, okay. you know, it, it's let hard me, for me to assume the best. At this let point. me give you a, an example then of a case where I submitted evidence of the Alcavar case. Um, I submitted private evidence that, um, that succeeded in, in getting um, an administrator desisopt and um, another editor's site band. And it was the outgrowth of one of the site's most persistent and prolific band sock puppeteers. Both of those individuals were collaborating with that person to help him damage Wikipedia's database. He was continuing to create sock puppets. He would go over to an article and try to get stuff out of it. And if somebody came along and reverted him, he would get in teammates. And if it went far enough, then he would call upon the administrator in his pocket and um, get that person to, I hate to say it, misuse the tools. Now, when you're documenting that kind of thing, do you really want to show people exactly how, oh, this is how 
we caught you exploiting the site. So when you come back and do it the next time after this person has already created hundreds of sock puppets, hundreds, yeah, I, you I can now refine your technique and do it better. Right, I understand what you're saying, and actually I think we could have a really interesting debate about that. This is probably really not the time. Mm. But what I was really asking about was, is there a time when someone shouldn't be able to defend themselves? Do you think that person, no matter, you know, that user, uh, no matter what they did, should not have been able to defend themselves? No. And in this case particularly, the reason given was that they said that he would create, quote, smoke and thus try to and try to distract the arbitration committee and they didn't want to have the distraction and and so decided to hold the hearing in secret which is yeah, for an editor in good standing a very difficult thing to um, justify there are probably cases where it would be well what about for any editor I don't mean just an editor in good standing I mean I guess because again I, I do come from a, a US um, perspective when it comes to you know, the law and people's right. You know, we don't just grant people in the U.S. a right to defend themselves because we think they might be innocent. We, you know, we, we grant people the right to defend themselves, you know, no matter whether what they've done in the past, mm -hmm. you know, if, if they're already a convicted felon, for example, right. <laughs> we still allow them to defend themselves in whatever cases come up, you know, and I guess that, that is the thing that really concerns me. In all honesty, the only case where I could see where it would be appropriate to not allow any defense to be provided would be in cases where letting the user in Wikipedia at all threatens the site. For instance, if he was use, he was hacking the site or sending virus-laden emails to the arbitration committee. You see, the problem is, and I, I do agree with as much as is feasible, letting the person know what, the, what it is that they're under scrutiny for. But sometimes seeing anything at all is just material that can be parsed to you to to exploit the site better. And to to the I, I would certainly encourage both for on-site and off-site thing. I would certainly encourage to the extent that it is feasible and can be done with the best interest in the, of the site at heart to inform the person the general shape of well. We're concerned about these things. We're concerned about these things. Uh, due to the nature of this, we're not at liberty to give you everything. And that's a difference from standard U.S. due process, where the defense has a right to examine the full evidence. Well, they don't anymore. Um, that's, of course, the really interesting thing. In, well, in a lot of terrorism cases, for example, the government has said this evidence is classified and you don't have the right to see it because it's of national security issues. I could see if there's security so that issues. So people are not being able to see the evidence against them. I don't think there's any case that the, they should not be allowed to provide a defense, even if, it's an, even if it's an ignorance of the exact nature of the evidence, they should be allowed to provide a defense. The problem, no serious reason was given, like, the site will die. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? the, yeah, what I'd like to see established is, is a standard by which we, we say there, there should be a compelling reason before you take this kind of thing. And site. not just with oh, the new cases themselves, with the case reviews. Remember the Manton-Moreland case where the review was held off-site and... Um, the community was not told that a review was underway until this outcome was announced. 
and then the community very quickly overruled it. Would you mind summarizing that one for us? Oh, okay. Manton Moreland was originally on a case, let's see here, uh, there, there had been a prior naked short selling case a couple of years before, I had nothing to do with that. Um, the Manton Moreland case was basically a sock puppeting case. But um, it, it was a political hot potato, and there were serious concerns that an off-site dispute had been imported on-site. On the one hand, this is one of our higher-profile cases, on the one hand you had the chief executive officer of a fairly good-sized company, Overstock.com, um, who was opening, openly posting, saying, Hello, I am Patrick Byrne. Uh, everybody believes that he really was Patrick Byrne, and says, This is what I have to say here. This is what my position is. Um, on the other hand, you had um, an account, Manton Moreland, another account, Sammy Harris, that was widely suspected to be um, operated by a notable financial journalist, whom I will not name, because he has consistently denied that that actually was. But the question is, number one, are these two count accounts run by the same person? or by two people working so closely together that they're indistinguishable. And number two, well, do we try to link that, take the next step and link that to the real-world account, um, or to the real-world person? Um, basically, most of the community decided that they were run by, by the same person. Uh, Manton Moreland had previously, bef long before that case was opened, he had previously been uh, confirmed by check user that he was sock puppeteering, after the case closed, and he was banned from the topic where he had been editing, um, he was confirmed again by check user that he had started a new sock puppet account editing the topic again. The arbitration committee became aware of this, ran the check user, confirmed it very carefully, of course, put placed an indefinite block on the um, new account and a two-week block on the Manton Moreland account did not notify the community that it was reconsidering the case, and announced it. Now, was there a clear and compelling reason why they could not say they were reopening the case? They've got a format to do that, but they didn't use it. They announced the outcome. And again, this is where it gets more blogging than journalism. I proposed the site ban then. Yeah, enough is enough. And just about unanimously, the community approved it at that point and he was site-banned. But this is one of the ways in which, one of several ways in which I think the um, arbitration committee acted privately without compelling reason, and in a way that ultimately um, diminished its own stature. I would have preferred that the, um, that the decision come from the committee itself, I mean, you know, it was something that I felt very much needed to be done. I didn't do it for, you know, drama or in order to slap the committee in the face, but it was just something that a very large number of people felt needed to be done at that point. This was not somebody who was a prolific sock puppeteer, but the, the particular shape and dynamics of the dispute, because it, it related so openly to, to at least one side of a real-world dispute of, of, of some weight and merit it had caused a huge amount of disruption on the site for two years. And we really we didn't want to be in the middle of that, I think most people agreed. 
you know, it's like the bartender saying, please take it outside. I think that they need to come up with firm guidelines for when they can take a um, case offline, because to allow it to be done arbitrarily seems to be getting abused at the moment. It certainly seems that way. I even can't... if it's not being abused, the appearance of abuse seems to exist, yeah. because oh, yes. nobody really knows what's going on. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest problem, is that since there's so little information, you know, all this speculation seems to be revolving around what might be happening, and that's really undermining their authority. I think I could allow some some parameters for you know for some leeway for unforeseen circumstances, but I think that in in unforeseen circumstances they should be expected to give some kind of coherent summary of the nature of the concerns that that caused them to bring a certain decision. Offsite, because they have structures uh, on site for a reason, and and I I am uncomfortable with the frequency with which they have been circumventing that. Maybe not if 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 compelling reasons happen all that frequently, then okay. But I, I see them doing it offsite more or less because they can. And I think if they want people to believe there really are compelling reasons, you know, they have to to find some way to justify that. Yeah. I, I mean, in order for me to trust them in the protecting children's privacy case, when they were hearing you know, nearly all of their cases on site, we accepted that because of the sensitivity of the subject material. And, and I think that if they, if they were judicious about which cases they, they brought off site, then we would understand when it's not too clearly articulated why. Yes. But in this case, it seems the stated reason is random and, well, it's almost from trial by jury. Hear me, hear me, if you please. These are very strange proceedings. For permit me to remark on the merit of my pleadings, you are at present in the dark. Somebody was also mentioning Kafka. <laughs> yeah, I saw yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is rather justified. I mean, you've read... I'm not sure if... It, You've probably heard of the story with the. Uh, Believe me, I have sure a hard time getting it, rolling out of bed this trial. morning. There's an apple that's lodged in my back now. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a reference to the trial, though, which is a um, comedy about a um, kangaroo court where they, the um, person is, which is, pretty much as you said. The accused is not allowed to um, hear the evidence against him, and so on. Probably something came up in yesterday's episode. I'm gonna re-ask it since you have another opinion in here. It would be that um, if we had to um, re-elect a few arbitrators, would that would would you be up to that? Well, that would be that would be the the last ditch thing. I mean, you know. Well, that raises the question: Is the problem systemic? within the structure of arbitration committee as it has evolved, or is the problem the people who are on the arbitration committee? I'm not sure that's an easy question to answer. I do think that good people who were who were sensible before they got into the arbitration committee are now at, are now acting much worse than I would have ever expected to them now that they are, are on the arbitration committee. I, I wouldn't even look at the voting in my own case. 
if if I were to you know if if, if there were an election next week, but I, based on the way that certain arbitrators have have conducted themselves, based on the way that certain arbitrators have commented upon evidence and upon their examination of evidence. Yeah, there's a couple I wouldn't I wouldn't put it back in there. You know, I I don't want to get too far ahead of things. You know, yes, the last ditch thing would be you know, Jimbo can dissolve ARPAM, like the Queen can dissolve Parliament. It's not likely to happen, and and I don't want to jump the gun by by getting into that conversation before we've heard from them. I I think at this point, um, reassessing ARPAM's mandate. And, and establishing clear parameters for their proceedings and, and for their scope is probably the best solution. If, if something more becomes necessary, then you know, yes, it, it could go that far, but um, let's not get out the, the torches and pitchforks too quickly. I still have some hay to make. Should we, do you think that would be helpful to say that if the Foundation wants the ARPOM to act in their behalf as the highest court, that they should provide the ARPOM with some uh, one or two classes each? Well, I certainly felt since the Jim, six, uh, what is it, six, Jim 62 SCH case that when the Arbitration Committee called upon the community to bring cases of off-site harassment to them, specifically called upon that, in their finding, I felt very strongly that they needed to either take specific training in how to deal with harassment or they needed to retain the services of a consultant for that type of case. I do not think that a committee of of 14 men and one woman who have been running an encyclopedia are qualified to do that responsibly. Running a wiki project to perfection does not translate into dealing with harassment. Does anyone know um, about arbitration committees on other language PDFs? I believe that most of them don't have one. They may have one on the German Wikipedia. Because, you know, sometimes comparisons with the way that other institutions are working can be illuminating. And in the other languages, they don't have appeal to Jimbo. Which is a significant factor here. I mean, it's very interesting, you know, that the, the structure, to me it is anyway, anyway that the structure on other language versions of Wikipedia is so very different. Well, you know, well, the, the whole yeah, governance structure is different. Wikipedia is the, is the, the wild, or English Wikipedia is the Wild West, the unruly child. Um, a lot of the other projects, you know, how can we say it? We're, we're the, um, you know, Harry Potter and the Weasleys? Yes. We're the Weasleys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's probably a good place as good a place to end this as any. Shall we um sign off? Okay. Any final thoughts? Well, I'd encourage everyone to participate in the request for comment. I do feel that there are issues and we're not going to um solve anything by letting the ARPCOM continue on as they were without any statement from the community about their progress and how they're doing. Mitch? really don't know at this point. I'm really bad with final thoughts. Like, eh, oh well. I'll leave it till I do it. Um, I find it interesting that this is going on at the same time as the review for RFA. It seems that there's a lot of discussion going on about 
what should the hierarchy of Wikipedia look like? And it doesn't seem that um, it really is settled. It seems like it's undergoing a great deal of reform right now. Um, and I definitely think that people who are interested in being part of that reform should be part of those discussions, as Shu was saying. But that two major processes are undergoing this kind of commentary and discussion simultaneously is, I think, very revealing. Hey, you know, I've announced a boycott of RFA Review. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been very articulate about my reasons, but, um, yeah, so that's that's my participation there. Um, we shall have to cover RFA Review in a future episode. Yes, uh, well, I would like to invite people who um, to, to join me in um, the performance review that I've started, because I could certainly use more research. I have some um, directions where I, I certainly like some um, assistance. I'm compiling statistical evidence on various ways that the arbitration committee has uh, has functioned over its four-year history, um, not getting into individual cases and, and their dynamics so much as how the committee handles cases, and I could use res assistance in the research. And I'd also like to while I encourage people to participate in this RFC, please exercise restraint. And the great danger with this is that people will try to abuse it as a platform to rehear their own cases. I, I, I certainly have had the temptation to do that myself, but I, I, do, I don't think that that's in the best interest of the site. And I want to ask other people who may have grievances unresolved to, to follow my example in this. Okay. I guess you can put that into this. Yeah.